So let us now turn to our Bibles to John chapter 11, and I'll read verses 1 through 4, and then 17 through 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Let us skip down to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console, to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, and they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Well, hello, Renewal Mainline. Um, just want to extend my greetings just both personally and also from your uh, sister uh, church, uh, Renewal West Philly, as well as Renewal Center City now. 
Um, I certainly wish uh, we could be in person. I've missed seeing uh, those of you that I know, uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad to even have an opportunity like this in this very limited setting uh, to be here with you, at least virtually. Um, life is uh, certainly filled uh, with many joys. Uh, one particular joy of mine is I've really been enjoying uh, being the father to a daughter. Um, I have three boys, and our fourth, Lily, is now uh, 18 months old, uh, unbelievably. And I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, being a, a daddy to a daughter, uh, perhaps so much so that sometimes my wife has to remind me that I have other children, um, but I do love them just the same. Um, and so as much as life is filled with joy, um, Life is also inescapably filled with pain, filled with suffering, and it touches every single one of us, regardless of your ethnicity, your marital status, your socioeconomic status, and I think the season of COVID has reminded all of us of that, that, that suffering touches every single one of us. Uh, particularly in this season of covid Perhaps uh, some of you are suffering, whether because uh, you've actually contracted COVID or perhaps someone you love has contracted it. Some of us in this season, as a result of what's happening, we have lost or missed out on wedding celebrations, on graduations, on major milestones in life. Perhaps some of us have lost jobs or soon will. And tragically, perhaps even for some of you, you may have lost loved ones, uh, even in this time. Just the pain of not being able to attend a funeral even um, in person. Uh, it's just such a raw pain. Our children, for those of us who are parents, are missing out on so much, so many of the things that we would want for them. You know, certainly schooling, but... Um, just the joy of being a kid and getting out in the neighborhood and playing with your friends and such. And their hardship pains us, right? That's hard for us too. Perhaps for some of you prior to COVID, you were already struggling with loneliness and isolation, with anxiety, with depression. And being in this season has perhaps just exacerbated and, and made those things that were already hard even harder. But even if there are some of you right now who aren't acutely suffering, like you're not specifically going through intense or acute suffering right now, the fact of the matter is you will. You will at some point in your life. And therefore, I, I hope and pray that this message uh, would equip you for not if, because it will come, uh, but it will equ equip you for when, <laughs> when these times come. And so I want to share uh, with us about the comfort that Jesus brings in our suffering as we look at this passage where, very well-known passage, where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus being not only a friend of Jesus, but brother to Mary and Martha, who were followers and, and close friends of Jesus as well. And so I want to share three truths from this passage that we see that bring us comfort in our suffering. 
And we see that as we think about our pain and suffering, we learn from this passage, Jesus uses it, Jesus shares in it, and Jesus redeems it. So once again, Jesus uses it, he shares in it, and he redeems in it. He redeems it. And so um, let, me, let me dive right into this. First of all, Jesus uses it. So as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, Martha and the way she reacts to her brother's death in many ways serves as a mirror to ourselves. And so let me explain. Martha understood Jesus had a special relationship with God the Father. She understood he was not just any prophet or any individual. She knew he had a special and unique relationship with God the Father. That's why she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And then Jesus responds, your brother will rise again. And she responds by saying, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, Jesus, uh, Jews believed that resurrection was real, but they believed that it would happen at the end of history, not in the middle of it, not, the, not while they were living in the middle of it. And so from her, uh, Martha, we hear this mixture of faith and doubt. Right? There's this mixture of faith and doubt. On one hand, she says, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. In other words, God or Jesus, I know that you're able to do this. I know this is something that you may possibly do, but most likely, she says, I won't see him again until that last day. And Jesus responds, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying, it's not that I am simply able to resurrect people, that resurrections are something I'm able to do, an ability that I have. Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. It's very source. Uh, Maybe I could illustrate it like this. When Steve Jobs uh, was alive, Steve Jobs, founder uh, of Apple, Uh, When he was alive, it would have been insufficient to say, Steve Jobs makes Apple products for a living, right? It would be insufficient to put it that way because we're really, Steve Jobs was Apple, right? the, The whole idea of it, everything was built around his vision, his dreams, his approach, his way. And that point has very sadly been proven by the fact that Apple's never been the same uh, after his passing. Well, in the same way, Jesus doesn't just do resurrections. He is the resurrection. He is life. And so when Jesus asks, do you believe this? Martha responds by saying, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. In other words, she gives a very theologically accurate statement. And we get the sense that she believes that truth. But she believes it somewhat in abstraction. right? She really believes it, but it's still kind of abstract to her. Or we could say it like this. Her belief is sincere, but it is shallow. It is sincere, but shallow. 
Her reaction in verses 39 and following also cue us in on this. When Jesus instructs them to take the stone away, Martha says, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And so again, does Martha believe Jesus is powerful, that a resurrection is something he could do, and that he has a special relationship with the Father, and that's how he would be able to do it? Yes, she believes that. She believes in his power. She believes that to be true. But she fails to see just how powerful, how unique, how special his relationship with the Father really was. And so as we said, in this way, Martha serves as a mirror to us. You and I, for those of us who are believers, we believe truths about God, right? Truths that we've learned, perhaps if you've been Christian for many years, perhaps these truths you've learned and heard for most of your life, you believe them to be true and you believe them sincerely, but perhaps that belief is still shallow, or still very much in abstraction. We believe Jesus is powerful, but our understanding of just how powerful is quite shallow. We believe we are weak. We realize we need a savior, but we fail to understand just how weak we really are. We believe Jesus forgives, but we really don't understand the magnitude of that forgiveness. We believe Jesus satisfies. We sing songs about it, but we really fail to see how richly he truly does satisfy our souls. Oftentimes we know the truth, but not the power of that truth in our lives. So, how does Jesus move us from a limited, shallow, abstract knowing and believing to a substantial, more deeply grounded knowing and believing? Through an incredible sermon? Through an incredible, powerful weekend at some retreat? Sometimes that that could happen. But most of the time, the way that Jesus moves us from sincere but shallow to deep and substantial is through suffering. It's through pain. It's through hardship in our lives. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter three says, I want to know Christ and share in the power of to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings. But you see, Sharing in his sufferings is not an optional add-on. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and if applicable, also sharing in his suffering. No, it's you don't get the first part apart from the latter part. You don't know Christ and the power of the resurrection apart from actually experiencing and sharing in his suffering. To be clear, Jesus is not the cause of pain in this world. Its ultimate existence is due to human rebellion and human sin from the very beginning. So he's not the reason or cause of of pain in this world, yet he's able to use it. Oftentimes, 
He'll use it to move us from an abstract, limited, theoretical knowledge of him to a truer, deeper, experiential knowledge of who he really is. C.S. Lewis wrote this. Uh, He wrote a series of reflections after the death of his wife, and it was entitled, A Grief Observed. He writes, You never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death to you. It is easy to say you believe a rope to be strong and sound as long as you are merely using it to tie a box. But suppose you had to hang by that rope over a precipice. Wouldn't you then first discover how much you really trusted it? Theoretically, we may believe God provides. We may know that. We may believe it. But how do you come to know that more deeply? It's in seasons of dire need. Theoretically, we might believe and sincerely believe God is our strength, but how are you going to discover that more deeply? It's by being brought to the point of utter exhaustion, to the complete end of yourself. Theoretically, we know that Christ is our treasure, but how are you going to discover that more deeply? by suffering the loss of things you thought you could never live without. As someone said, you never know God is all you need until God is all you have. Uh, 2019 into 2020 this year have hands down, without compare, been the most difficult season of my life. There have been a, you know, um, a convergence that I won't get into the details, but a convergence of really difficult issues uh, that I've had to face. And for those of you who may know me, some of you have been have known me for many years. This might come as a surprise to you because your perspective of me is the eternal optimist. Right? The chipper guy who's always smiling. And so this might come as a surprise for you to hear. But over the course of this past year or so, I have experienced a sorrow so deep that it reminds me of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.8 where he describes being utterly burdened beyond strength that he despaired of life itself. Never in my life have I had more nights where I just wished I wouldn't wake up, where I literally just wanted to die rather than continue in the pain. And even though I wouldn't say I'm fully on the other side of it yet, dare I say, I can already see the tremendous gift that it has been for me in knowing Christ more. Pain, suffering, hardships, these are things, especially as Americans, we seek to avoid at all costs. But in the hands of Jesus, he is able to use it to bring you deeper into him and to go deeper into jesus is to go deeper into true life 
because that's what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. I don't just give you life. I am life. To go deeper into him is to go deeper into true life and true joy everlasting. May that truth bring you comfort in your pain. The second truth we see here is that Jesus shares in our pain. Jesus shares in it. Verses 32 to 35, we see Mary, Lazarus' other sister, come to Jesus, fall at his feet, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. When we hear this truth of how Jesus uses pain, we may have this image of God in our minds letting us go through these incredibly painful things in almost a cold and detached way, right? Car accident for you, uh, a failed relationship for you, job loss for you, as if he's just kind of pulling these levers up there. We wonder if God really understands how difficult life down here can be, if he really understands how hard this is for us. Perhaps like Mary and Martha, you have felt in your life, maybe you're feeling that right now, the sting of unanswered requests. What do they say to Jesus? Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Our brother wouldn't have died if you would have just shown up. And how many times have you caught yourself, I know I have, saying, Jesus, if you had just shown up, this wouldn't have happened. How could you let this happen to me? Do you know how hard this is? And this passage gives us the answer to that question. Not only does Jesus get our pain, he actually gets it better than you and I. He is grieved by the pain and suffering of humanity more than any of us ever will be. How is that? How does Jesus appreciate and understand pain even better than you and I? Well, there's two reasons I want to give. First, in his role as creator. Here we're reading about Jesus as fully man walking the earth, but Jesus was fully God and creator of all things. And when he had made all things, he made it perfect. It was good. But with the rebellion of humanity against him, this is when pain, as we said, enters this world. And now what does he see? His good and beautiful creation utterly defaced, filled with suffering, filled with pain, filled with death. He is deeply affected by it. And we see it here. Right? Even though Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus, when he sees Mary and those around her weeping, it says he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now that's a soft translation. What it's actually conveying is anger, outrage. I'm sure you can identify. Have you, have you ever been so upset, so angry that you actually just burst out in tears? And this is what Jesus is experiencing in this moment. We do not have a God who is indifferent and cold to the reality of our pain and suffering in this world. Even though he may sovereignly allow it, he doesn't do it easily and coldly. 
as creator, he fully appreciates the ugliness, the wrongness, the hurt, the pain of tragedy, even more than we do because it's his world. Maybe I could use this analogy. Imagine you built a home from scratch with your bare hands and you fill that home with the things that are most precious to you, including those you love. And then imagine seeing someone light that house on fire. That home you built with your hands that you spent so much of your love pouring into that home and it's just burning in front of your eyes. Well, could it be that even infinitely more as God sees his wonderful and beautiful creation burning in pain and in sin and evil and injustice, there is outrage in his heart. But there's another reason he understands pain better than even we do and that's in his role as suffering savior. God didn't just weep over the broken world. He entered it. He ran into the burning house, as it were. He took on flesh, and in his flesh, he experienced the full range of human suffering. Poverty, he knows what that's like. Hunger, he knows what that's like. Physical suffering and pain, he knows what that's like. Injustice, he knows what that's like. Abuse, he knows what that's like abandonment and the deepest betrayal by those who are supposed to love you and be for you. He knows what that is like. As we speak, sadly, there continue to be in our country and throughout the world people dying of COVID. And what we know is that one of the ways it affects you is your ability to breathe. And so there are people, as we speak, sadly and tragically, laboring to breathe until their final breath. Well, think about this. Crucifixion was designed in such a way that you don't actually bleed to death. That's not how you die in crucifixion. You die by what's called an asphyxiation, which because of the way they hang you, in order to breathe properly, you need to actually pull up and lift yourself up because your lungs are, are collapsed in a particular way. It was a cruel and brilliant way to torture somebody. And so when you think about Jesus dying on the cross, he literally died by labored breathing. He knows even what that is like. But Jesus faced not just the physical pain of death, but Jesus faced a kind of pain that no one else will ever experience. As I mentioned, all the pain we see in this world is a result of the fact that humanity rejected and rebelled against God. And that rebellious heart is in every one of us. There is this refusal to submit to and to treat God as God. And each of us are guilty of that. And perhaps even in this difficult season of COVID, you're seeing your own ugliness manifest itself. You know, being cooped up with your family all the time, right? Perhaps that's brought out the worst in you. Sinful anger, hurtful words. And out of our hurt, out of our brokenness, we bring brokenness into the world. You know, as the saying goes, right? 
We're all broken. We're all hurt people. And what the truth is, is that hurt people hurt people. But instead of pouring his wrath upon us, Jesus took our place. And the wrath that we deserved, he took upon himself. And so the eternal son of God, who was perfectly obedient, all he ever knew was the father's perfect love. In that moment upon the cross, he absorbed the full wrath that was owed humanity. The wrath that countless souls deserved, he took upon himself all at once. And that is a pain none of us will ever know. And that's why I think the lyrics of that song are very fitting. I'll never know how much it cost to bear my sin upon that cross. We will never know. We will never know what that was like. The depth of that kind of pain that Jesus suffered. And so again, as creator, as savior, Jesus knows what it is to hurt. He knows what it is to experience pain and he knows it better than we do. And because he willingly chose to share in that pain with us and endure the unique pain of his crucifixion, you can be assured that when you are going through your pain and suffering, you can be assured that it's not because he's abandoned you, No, Jesus was abandoned for you upon the cross. You can be assured it's not payback for the wrongs that you've done, karma, because Jesus cried out upon the cross, not make this up to me. He cried, it is finished. There's nothing more to be paid back. We said, God uses painful times for his good purposes. When Jesus heard Lazarus died, he tells his disciples, It's not going to end in death. And in fact, part of the reason why Jesus allowed him to die instead of immediately going and rushing to heal him was for the purpose of allowing the disciples to see the glory of Jesus. The disciples would see his glory. Mary and Martha would see his glory. Verse 42 tells us there were onlookers who saw the power of Jesus and believed. So as I believe John Piper says, right, there are thousands of things God is doing in his sovereignty all at once, and we may be aware of one of those things. Sometimes we're not aware of any of it. As we're going through our suffering, we don't see any good purpose in it. We don't understand why. Mary and Martha didn't understand why. They weren't told beforehand what would happen. They weren't, to- they weren't told beforehand why it was happening. And likewise, we may not know the exact reasons. We may not be given all the explanations of why. But when you look at the cross, it tells us this. You have a God who loves you enough to suffer all that for you. And therefore, you can trust him. Uh, Pastor Ray Ortland is a, a pastor in our denomination that I truly love. I think he's a pastor of pastors, a pastor of pastors. Um, and I just so appreciate his ministry. And here's what he says Trust in God, not explanations from God, is the pathway through suffering. Trust in God and not explanations from God 
is the pathway through suffering. Finally, Jesus redeems our pain. Verses 33, 43 to 44, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Can you imagine what a wild scene this was? One moment, everyone's weeping and wailing at the death of Lazarus. Then all of a sudden, complete shock and then utter joy. We have our brother back. How could this be? Lazarus is alive. Utter joy. It's a complete reversal. A reversal of emotion. A reversal. The reason this scene is so magnificent, so precious, is because this same scene will repeat itself a million times over. And here's what I mean. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And Lazarus' resurrection was actually a sign pointing to Jesus' own resurrection. And for all who trust in Christ, you will be raised with him on that final day. And there will be a great reversal for you too. It's not simply that when we finally see Jesus face to face, our pain is just going to end and it's just going to stop. I mean, that's true. Our pain will end. No more tears. It, but it, it's more than that. The news is even better than that. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, which simply means this. The specific things you are suffering now will end up serving your eternal joy. Again, C.S. Lewis in his novel, The Great Divorce, dealing with the subject of heaven and hell, he writes this. Some mortals say of temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. Elizabeth Elliot says, in God's economy, whether he is making a flower or a human soul, nothing ever comes to nothing. The losses are his ways of accomplishing the gains for your good and for his glory. In closing, one of the things that really helped me throughout this difficult season of my life has just been spending a lot of times in the Psalms. Because what the Psalms do for us, why they are so beautiful and precious, is because many times the Psalms give voice to your feelings when you don't have a voice. They help you voice something that you have trouble articulating because you're this just jumbled mess of emotion. And they help put words to it. And there's this one particular psalm that stuck out to me one morning. And it says this, Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Why is he keeping track of all of our sorrows? down to each tear. 
And I think what this psalm and what John chapter 11 is conveying to us, it's because each tear collected is like a currency that will be traded in on that final day. Each one, each teardrop redeemed, redeemed for glory and your unimaginable joy in Jesus and all because of Jesus. And so as we are reminded of how Jesus uses our pain, shares our pain, and redeems our pain, I pray that it would provide you tremendous comfort in your pain, in your suffering, and as we are comforted, may we move out into this world which is in the midst of experiencing tremendous pain and suffering of its own. And may we bring the good news of the gospel, the gospel of hope, the gospel of healing, the gospel of redemption, and the savior of that gospel, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for being our very present savior. Though we cannot see you, we know that you are with us by your spirit. And though we cannot audibly hear your voice, we thank you that you are present and speaking through your living word, a word that we need to hear. And and you, knowing each one of us perfectly, knows what we need to hear. And so I pray that by your spirit, you have applied this word to the hearts of my friends, my brothers and sisters here, especially when it comes to bringing us comfort by the truth of the gospel in our pain and suffering. I pray that your presence has been made known and made real, especially in the lives of people who are feeling this pain acutely. We pray again, especially for the Hyun family, as we hurt with them. And we pray that the truth of the gospel and the promises of your truth would bring them a comfort like nothing else in this world is able to. This is the joy that we have, this is the comfort, this is the hope, these are the promises we have been given by you and because of Jesus. And so I pray that you would strengthen that precious family and I pray that it would be that very same hope, truth, and promises that strengthens each of us in our own suffering. And I pray that as we are equipped with this truth, send us forth into the world for such a time as this. For Lord, right now, the hopelessness of this world is being exposed. The the hopelessness and weakness of our money, of our power, of our world leaders, we're seeing the limits of everything. But as a result, may the truth and beauty and power of Christ and the gospel shine that, that much more powerfully in such a time as this, so that all may see and all may believe where true hope and healing and redemption are found forever. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.